When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. One evening, as always, I was returning from college. My favorite music was playing in my headphones. Suddenly, my head began to ring so much that I lost my orientation in space. I grabbed my head, my legs began to shake, and everything went black. I fell on the ground and apparently passed out. When I woke up, I was already in the hospital. There was no one around me, which was strange. The doctors were not guarding me at my bed and and reacted to my seizure calmly for one reason. Thanks to the medical card, which I was always carrying with me, they had already been aware of my disease. This disease is quite rare, and because of it, I might lose consciousness a couple of times a month, sometimes even more often, just like that day. In other words, I'm used to waking up in hospitals. Living with this illness is very difficult. For example, I might get hurt if I fall. There were times when I woke up without my belongings and my phone. Someone had stolen them. I also never go out during winter because I'm afraid of losing consciousness and freezing to death. Ah, in general, it sucks. The doctors at the hospital patched me up and told me to be more careful in the future. Yes, I would gladly do so. But how? I was already leaving the hospital when one of the doctors ran up to me. He handed me a business card and told me to call the phone number on it. According to him, in this place, I could be helped with my disease. Since the disease did not allow me to live a normal life, I firmly decided to call the indicated number as soon as I returned home. But before calling, I decided to look for information about this place on the internet. Strangely, my query didn't return any results. I was already beginning to doubt whether it was worth messing with these guys. Lost in thought, I looked out the window. Little, beautiful snowflakes were falling outside the window. Winter was just around the corner. I loved and hated winter at the same time. My illness did not give me a chance to enjoy this time of year. And it was precisely the unwillingness to be locked up for several months that made me, nevertheless, dial the number indicated on the business card. A stern voice in the receiver told me the address and the next day I went there. The building was located on the outskirts of the city, far from my house, and it was very inconvenient to get there. I even walked a couple of kilometers on foot. Approaching the large iron gate, I saw the guards. They asked me to introduce myself and inform who was waiting for me. They found my name on the list and finally let me in. The place looked more like a prison and not like an innovative scientific center specialized in incurable diseases. I decided that perhaps their treatment methods were so unique that they should be kept in the utmost security. The scene inside the building cleared up all my doubts. I saw dozens of people in white coats and some kind of mysterious equipment. The same doctor from the hospital came up to me. He praised me for my courage and trust in them and promised that from that moment my life would change. He seemed very nice. Dr. Archer, that was his name, brought me to the other patients. It seemed that there were about 50 of them. The same as me, each of them suffered from some serious illness and dreamed of being free from it. The doctor spoke into the microphone, and everyone present heard his voice coming from the speakers. He said that the medicine we would be taking was experimental. This did not exclude side effects. He paused, obviously expecting a reaction from us. Side effects? Well, that's something new. The patients in the room began talking loudly. Someone headed towards the exit. I decided to stay. I no longer wanted to be hostage to my own disease. There were only seven volunteers left. Archer brought us some papers that needed to be signed. I read the text, and there was nothing suspicious about it, just a standard remission of claim. I calmly put my signature down. The doctor explained that for the next few days, we would be undergoing various tests and have some samples taken. 
This would help to understand whether the medication would be effective in our case. He invited us to go to our rooms. I did not expect that I would have to stay here for a long time. However, when I saw the room, I was pleasantly surprised. All doubts were cleared up. It was excellent. For the next few days, various professors and scientists took blood from us and for some reason asked us to take tests to identify the level of our intelligence. We were even put in some sort of centrifuge, similar to the one in which astronauts train. It was almost the same, only slightly smaller. I was hoping that the overloads for us would also not be so serious. One morning, Dr. Archer knocked on my room. He said that there was news for me and the other patients and asked to follow him. Archer gathered all the remaining volunteers and said that unfortunately, not all of us had passed the test, only two out of seven people. He opened the folder and read the names. The first name he announced was a young guy with whom I had already made friends, Peter Green. He came here because of his heart problems. At this point, I already began to worry. After all these endless tests, I really didn't want to go home with nothing. Dr. Archer adjusted his glasses and suddenly said my name, Julia Thatcher. I took a step forward, barely restraining the urge to rush to the doctor and hug him, but I managed to cope with my emotions. The doctor explained that we would be staying, and the other volunteers had to leave. People started protesting because they also wanted to get this wonder medicine. But then the guards entered the room. Seeing them, the volunteers reluctantly began to leave the premises. There were three of us left. The doctor took us to another room. He assured us by explaining that they had to send away those people because the medicine could have caused severe side effects on them. But our test results showed that the risk of getting a side effect was only 1%. After these words, we sighed with relief. The doctor opened some safe. I saw many mysterious test tubes and two syringes filled with some kind of glowing green liquid. Archer said that now all our sufferings would come to an end. We approached the doctor. He gave injections to Peter and me by slowly inserting the vaccine. When he started injecting me with this green liquid, I felt an intolerable itch in my eyes, as if soap had gotten into them. Peter, on the other hand, was acting strange. His look became somehow wild, and he suddenly rushed at the doctor. Luckily, the guards came up in time and Peter was taken out of the office. Doctor said that all of these effects were temporary and recommended that I go to my room to rest and recover strength. I did as I was told. However, one of the guards, for some reason, walked me all the way to the room and locked the door with a key as soon as I got inside. Dr. Archer came to see me again in the evening. I complained to him that I was not feeling well and said that I wanted to go home. The doctor was no longer as friendly as he had been. He did not comment on my words in any way and instead began to ask me questions. Archer asked how my eyes were. I replied that they seemed to be burning. The doctor smiled and suddenly his face changed. He jumped up from the chair and started insulting and threatening me. He said that I was just a laboratory rat and would never get out of here again. I was shocked. Finally, I realized how stupid I had been to voluntarily arrive at this evil clinic. Fear, anger, and resentment were so strong that I could not help bursting into tears. But the doctor, seeing me cry, started laughing. Several salty drops fell on the floor. I noticed that they were greenish in color and suddenly burned through the floor. They seemed to be very poisonous. Archer was clearly pleased with what he saw. Without a word, he left the room. 
I noticed that he had come to me on his own. There was no guard at the door. Several questions bothered me. What happened to me? Why were my tears burning my eyes and literally burning everything around? And was it true that I would not leave the walls of this strange place ever again? My head was aching unbearably. There was no strength left in me. I tried to sleep. When I woke up in the morning, I decided to leave the room and found out that the door was locked. In a panic, I started banging on it with my fists. The door flew open and there was Dr. Archer with two guards standing in the doorway. Mad with anger, I rushed to the doctor with my fists, but one of the guards pushed me away. You're a liar, I shouted. Where is the lie here? The doctor asked with a smile. He showed me the documents in his hands. It was the agreement where I put my signature not so long ago. Here is your consent to conduct experiments. Conditions have been met. The medicine worked. You no longer have to be afraid of suddenly passing out. But I must confess I have cheated a little. He added, grinning. I left you with Peter. Not because you were the only ones with minimal risk of side effects, but because the medicine was supposed to affect you in a special way. Your side effects are very unusual and would be very useful for our organization. Your tears contain the strongest poison. For you, this poison is safe, but for others, it is deadly. This poison is the newest, most sophisticated chemical weapon, and its traces cannot be found. The doctor said that Peter also showed some abilities, but they were absolutely useless for the organization. I was shocked by what I had heard. All I wanted was just to be cured of my disease. I don't want to kill anyone. You'll have to cry a little. The doctor handed me an empty test tube and nodded to the guards to make me fulfill his assignment. But their help was not necessary. I was very frightened, hurt, and unbearably homesick. Tears literally gushed out of my eyes. Surprisingly, the poison did not corrode the walls of the flask. Apparently, it was made of a special material. Seeing that I was obediently collecting my tears into it, the doctor and his guards departed. I was crying and filling the flask with my tears. Tears kept dripping and dripping until the container was filled to the brim. At first, I still had a glimmer of hope that everything that was happening was just a nightmare and I would soon wake up, but time was passing and nothing was changing. The doctor continued to threaten me and demanded more and more test tubes to be filled with poisonous tears. I no longer knew how long I had been within the walls of this terrible laboratory and just dreamed of getting out. But how to do that? The answer came suddenly at the very moment when I was handing over another flask filled with tears. Here it was, my ticket to freedom. I decided to run away. Choosing the moment when the flask with the poison had not yet been taken from me. Sneaking up to the door, I looked through the keyhole. There was no guard. It seemed that someone did not take his job very seriously. I poured some of the poisonous liquid into the keyhole. A hissing sound came from inside, and very soon a small hole was gaping in the door. I pushed the door and found myself in the corridor. No one from the employees was there, just a lot of closed doors to the right and left. Some of them were made of glass, and behind them I could make out empty rooms with gray walls. They were all empty, except for one. I stopped and looked closely. Huddled in a corner, there was Peter sitting on the floor. I knocked on the door. Peter heard it, jumped to his feet, rushed to the door, and began pounding on it. I did not know what they had done to him, but he behaved like an animal and looked accordingly. I gestured to him to be quiet, but he continued pounding. He didn't seem to recognize me at all. 
I swear I wanted to free him. But then a siren went off in the hallway. I heard the approaching footsteps and shouts of the guards. I could not risk that. I could get caught. Looking into Peter's empty eyes, I realized that there was nothing left of my friend. I had to leave him. The guards were already close. I had to hide somewhere, so I ran down the corridor. Suddenly, I saw garbage cans and a garbage chute next to them. With nothing left to do, I jumped into it and slid down the dark pipe until I fell on the bags. As I jumped, I was still holding the flask with the remains of the poison in my hand. But after falling, I dropped it. I tried to find it among the bags, but it was useless. There was no time for a search. I had to get out. I moved forward gropingly, not knowing where I was going. Suddenly, I bumped into the grate. I tried to squeeze between the bars, but I couldn't. That was it. My escape was over. I was heartbroken. I remembered everything that I had to go through and the empty eyes of Peter behind the glass door. Covering my face with my hands, I burst into tears. Tears were burning my palms. And suddenly it struck me. Tears. Well, of course. I put my hands, wet with tears, on the bars of the grate. The metal hissed as tears began to eat away at it. I managed to burn out a small hole in the bars. I was able to squeeze through it, but the guards would never have been able to do so. To my great happiness, I soon found myself on the street. Freedom! Finally! I looked around and suddenly noticed the road. Cars were driving past every now and then. One of them immediately stopped when the driver saw me. I explained to him that I had gotten lost and really wanted to go home. He asked where to take me. I thought that I could not go home. They would be looking for me there in the first turn. So I asked the driver where he was going, and hearing the direction said that I needed there as well. I was hoping that the magical medication would help me to cope with my disease, and now I would have to hide for the rest of my days, fearing that the employees of the mysterious organization would find me. I'm sure that they are still looking for me. It's really scary. Scary that my abilities can be used to harm other people. Where can I ask for help? Maybe some kind of institution? Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... The obstacle course seemed endless to me, even though I only had to run a few meters. The more I accelerated, the more my stomach bounced, and then my cheeks started bouncing in tune with it. I was like pudding, rolling down the road in the sun. After running only 100 meters from the start, I stopped to catch my breath. And after, I looked at my belly peeking out from under my tank top. The sweat was joined by tears, and I would have just walked away. But my trainer, Mr. Osfield, a.k.a. Bull, ran up to me and started yelling right in my ear. Get your ass together and get your fat sides over that wall. Now! I wouldn't have listened to him either, but there in the stands was my dream guy, Felix. I took one last deep breath, spread out, and jumped against the wall. I felt like I was trying to lift a truck. One last tug, and... and... I was stuck! My stomach was hanging on either side of the wall like jelly, and I was hanging on it like a fat fish thrown on a rock. I could hear the guys laughing, the screams of the coach, but I could barely hear them over my own heavy breathing. When I lowered my head, 
My huge cheeks hung limply, and I cried. Hi, my name is Kara, and I was forced to pretend to be fat. This led to my crush falling in love with me. But before I tell you how it all started, I'm going to ask you to put a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. It all started back in summer when I lost an argument I was sure I'd win. I almost always win bets, so I wasn't afraid to bet high. That's when my friends who usually lost to me had a blast. I had to pretend that I had gained a lot of weight over the summer. The most frustrating part was that I have a perfect figure. I'm a cheerleader and Coach Osfield is the proudest of me. What's the big deal? The guys are judging the girls at our school by my figure. But a bet is a bet and I began to prepare for a hell of a fight. Of course, I didn't get fat. I just enlisted the help of a friend of mine who worked as a makeup artist at a local theater. My fat pads looked like real fat. Even to the touch, it was indistinguishable from real skin. And it weighed just as much, by the way. The first time I put on my costume, I fell, which made one of my cheeks fall off and roll down the stairs. Before the new school year, I tried to get out of school as much as I could, but in the end, my pride wouldn't let me refuse the terms of the bet. Oh yes, the first day of school in my new body, I'll never forget. At first, it went well. The other kids didn't even recognize me. Mr. Osfield even wanted to go to the principal and ask why he got such a fat girl in his group. Coach, that's Kara, suddenly shouted out Rachel. I just hate Rachel. She's my biggest enemy who wants to be captain of the cheerleaders instead of me. Mr. Osfield froze and clutched at his heart. Seriously, he looked like he was having a heart attack. Some of the boys got scared and ran to the school doctor. Coach didn't move and looked at me, and then his lips tightened and trembled. For what, Kara? He exhaled. Coach, I... Don't. He clenched his fist on his chest. I don't want to hear it. Mr. Osfield pulled a plush crocodile out of his pocket, squeezed hard, and quickly walked away, locking himself in his office for the day. Somebody said he even cried, and that surprised everybody. By the way, my figure was still being cited, but now they were measuring all the fat girls in school by me. That wasn't the worst part, though. My greatest fear was running into Felix, but it was inevitable. Despite my good looks, I couldn't win him over, and now I was afraid I'd disappear from his sight for good. I didn't even go near him. Because of fear, I'd be laughed at. Also, gaining weight... I faced some difficulties. As I became fat, I understood why the Hulk hated stairs. I started climbing them long before class started because I had to make constant stops to catch my breath. And those little desks in school. Not only that, on my way to the blackboard, I was like an icebreaker, hooking my huge sides to other desks and chairs. I also had to have my desk redesigned so that I can sit in it. I thought it couldn't get any worse, but I couldn't stop cringing. I was in a hurry to get to class, trying to move my carcass as fast as I could. Suddenly, I felt the floor slipping out from under me. My makeup would have protected me from the impact, but Felix jumped out to catch me. No! I screamed, but it was too late. Felix disappeared beneath me with a short cry. All I could see was his arm sticking out from under me, and the boy wasn't moving. I killed my crush! I crushed him! The other guys helped lift me off of Felix. He was lying unconscious. 
Under the taunts and screams of the boys, I ran out of the school at the speed of a turtle. When I got home, I hysterically texted my friends to go to hell with their argument. Oddly enough, they agreed to cancel it, saying I'd been through enough. Oh, with how much of hatred I wanted to say goodbye to this makeup. I even made a fire in the backyard to burn it. And then, waiting for the flames to ignite, I got a message. From Felix. He was sorry about what happened, and he just said the guys were being unfair to me. And then he offered me his support. Support! Felix wants to talk to me! Ah! I noticed in horror that some of my makeup was already in the fire. I immediately pulled it out and began to extinguish the flames. No, I'm not getting rid of it now. For Felix's sake, I was willing to put up with it. Felix kept his word, and when I got to school, he started fighting back against my bullies. He even dared to talk to Mr. Osfield, who refused to let me into his classes. It turned out to be an idiotic idea, though. The trainer was determined to get me back into shape by all means, so he put together a complicated weight loss program. But I can't lose weight. It's makeup. I can't pay for a few more costumes with a skinnier version of myself either. After all, I haven't even had time to pay for this one yet. But at that moment, I was so charmed by Felix's courage and care that I agreed to the grueling training sessions. Not only did Felix have to drive me away from training in a gurney, Rachel became captain of the cheerleaders, the year of the state's premier cheerleading competition. I'd been working my way to winning it for three years. I exhausted myself with training and dieting. And now this bitch has taken my spot. It was one of those workouts. I got stuck in an obstacle course. That's where my story began, and it got even more complicated from there. Despite all the difficulties, there was a huge upside to the situation. Felix and I started hanging out a lot. He even took me to a cafe with diet food, and I mistook it for a date. I was ready to squeal with delight, and I decided that if the date went well, I would finally take off this stupid makeup and open up to the guy in all his glory. But in fact, I was waiting for a bummer of galactic proportions. You know, Kara, I didn't know you were such a good girl. Felix covered my plump hand with his, and I was ready to howl in frustration that I couldn't feel his touch because of the makeup. I'm glad looks aren't important to you, I exhaled excitedly. Well, actually, it does matter. I don't like people who chase their beauty. I thought that's what you were. What? My cheeks jumped in outrage. You're handsome yourself. I wasn't always like this. Felix's face turned dark and squeezed his fork so tight that he almost bent it. I was the way you are now and endured a lot of mocking. My older brother even dressed me up as a fat man to cheer me up. But that's insulting and very low. I'll never forgive that. You understand me, don't you? Yeah, I said and laughed nervously. It's a real failure. Felix told me about the abuse and the long treatment. He couldn't stand making fun of fat people, and in his eyes, the fact that I wore this makeup would also be a mockery. I was faced with the hardest choice of my life. I could go on pretending to be fat and pretend to lose weight to keep Felix around. Or I could take off that hideous makeup, upset Felix, but go back to being a cheerleader. I take down Rachel, make myself captain again, and be famous across the state. But my crush on Felix blinded me. Why would I need all that if my crush wasn't around? I kept going to workouts to beat the weight loss, and I was saving up for a new makeup job. But it all sorted itself out. Felix asked me out on a romantic date. He wanted to see the waterfalls together. The two of us were on a boat, 
and I was ready to melt in love with my bow. Everything was perfect, but blinded by love, I forgot the most important rule. Makeup is afraid of water. As we swam close to the waterfall, I felt my cheek peel away. Kara, what's wrong with you? Felix looked at me in surprise. I was smiling like a fool. My tooth hurts. I lied trying to keep my makeup on. You don't look so good. Why don't I take you home? Yes, yes. Hurry, Felix. I had already succumbed to panic, and I could feel my stomach sliding down. And as soon as we got ashore, it happened. Ah, what the hell is that? Felix, pale as chalk, looked at the belly, falling out from under my sweatshirt. And my cheek did fall off. The guy rolled his eyes and collapsed unconscious. Help! Help somebody! I screamed, but people tried to help me first, watching my skin fall off in huge chunks. When all this horror was over and Felix came to his senses, he said he never wanted to see me again. You're as soulless as the rest of them. I was right. You're just a doll who loves her body and makes fun of others. It was a bet. A normal person would refuse such a vile argument. Felix turned away angrily. You know what? You need to stop whining. I was furious, waving my unusually light arms. You should be proud that you made it through the weight loss, not be resentful of the world. I never made fun of overweight people. And yes, I love my body. I keep myself in shape so I don't turn into this. I jabbed my finger at the makeup on the ground and walked away proudly. The next day, my appearance at school was an extravaganza. Coach Osfield carried me in his arms and almost cried tears of joy. Rachel, on the other hand, was ready to roar with anger because Coach had put me right back in the captain's chair. I'd gotten over the fact that I'd lost Felix. But then I saw him in the bleachers during the state tournament. He was holding a sign with my name on it. Kara, you were right. The guy ran up to me after my brilliant performance. I was so caught up in the past that I almost missed out on my beautiful future. You. He suddenly held me close to him. I found out who you are inside, and that's the most important thing. That's how an idiotic argument and a tough test turned into a series of victories for me. What's more important to you, the outside or the inside of a person? Write your answers in the comments. Hi everyone, my name is Cassie. And I'm so perfect that all the boys lose their heads over me. However, at some point, all that changed. Well, I'm so perfect that I shine brighter than the sun. I mean, there's got to be a reason why all guys lose their head over me. And probably their vision. Because I'm a real dazzler. Every one of them dreams of being my boyfriend. And I'm hoping amongst all this mighty crowd to find the one who will also dazzle me with his brilliance and ideally with some diamonds. Boys fight for my attention all the time. I'm used to it. Once, two boys even did a motorbike race for me. I sat bored in the bleachers of the stadium, painting my nails while they rode around. I have no idea what they were trying to accomplish. I left the stadium immediately after a local rich kid texted me. Oh, you have no idea how long I've been on the hunt for him. For the first time in my life, I had to chase someone instead of turning around and laughing at the poor saps who tried to chase me. But unfortunately, I got my hopes up for nothing when Mark asked me out. He just invited me to a party, and then he just treated me like a friend. But it's better than sitting in the stadium and waiting for two idiots to finish a useless race. Anyway, I was enjoying my life as Miss Perfect. 
At some point, however, I sensed something wasn't right. In fact, I noticed various prophetic signs as early as this morning. For instance, my hairdryer stopped working. I accidentally broke a nail with a nail file. How is that possible? Well, somehow, it is possible. I must have been cursed by some evil nail master spirit. Also, I was in such a hurry to get to school. I wore a shirt that totally didn't match the skirt. At first, I wasn't surprised that the boys weren't paying attention to me. After all, I wasn't in the best shape, and they must have noticed my broken nail. However, it turned out to be much worse. A new girl came to our school, who wowed absolutely everyone with her beauty. Even Mark, who I'd been chasing. That's when I knew I was screwed. Not only was she more perfect than me, I wasn't even in the best shape that day. And the new Miss Perfect also noticed my broken nail, my flawed hairstyle, and my horrible shirt. Who is that? I asked my classmate. Her name is Rebecca, and she's joining our class. What? She's going to be our classmate? Oh no! As soon as the new girl walked into class, I was afraid that all the guys were going to choke on their drool. How pathetic and ridiculous they look! I just sighed heavily and sent out a group message that I was inviting everyone to the party on Saturday. After all, I've been in the school longer than Rebecca, and I've built up quite a reputation. Plus, my parties are legendary. But no one showed up on Saturday. I, of course, was outraged, so I tried to find out where everyone had gone. As it turned out, Rebecca was also having a party that day, and everyone went to her place because she had a pool and a cool DJ was playing. This is outrageous! I yelled out. I was so angry, I smashed a carafe full of punch. I couldn't take it anymore and I went to the party too. I wanted to know what I was being traded for. There was lots of delicious food and drinks. Guys were swimming in the pool and the DJ was rocking the crowd on the dance floor. Whatever, nothing fancy, just a regular party. Mine would be cooler. When Rebecca approached me with a tray of snacks on it, I gave her an arrogant look and smacked her on the arm and all the food went flying onto the ground. Who do you think you are? You come to our school and decide you're in charge? No, that's not going to work. I'm in charge. You're nobody and will stay that way if you continue to show off. The new girl started crying. I was pleased with myself for bringing Rebecca to tears, but I didn't expect all the boys to turn against me. The boys immediately started calming her down. Why did you come here? You've only spoiled everyone's mood. Get lost. Their bluntness made me gasp for air. Rebecca was embraced by my admirers, and I was supposed to leave? What? Am I in a parallel universe? I had no other choice. I left the party in tears. The next day, I was in for a real shock. Mark gifted Rebecca a red Porsche. He was moved by the girl's tears that he decided to cheer her up. Happy Rebecca hugged the boy and kissed him on the cheek while I burned with jealousy and anger. Porsche? Seriously? Just over some tears? If I had known it was that easy, I'd be throwing tantrums for Mark every week. I wanted to throw rotten eggs at that car, but that would probably ruin my reputation even more. Instead, I decided to be friends with Rebecca, and then after, I discovered all her secrets. Destroy her. But as soon as I approached the new girl, she was immediately surrounded by her high school football players, who used to carry me in their arms. Stay away from her. One of them said, I just wanted to talk. You already talked once and made Rebecca cry. We won't let her get hurt. You go near her again 
and we won't let you get away with it. Got it? Threatened the other one. Holy crap, are they all crazy? Maybe Rebecca had some kind of magic and put a spell on all the guys. I thought nobody would ever look at me now, but I still had admirers outside of school. So I decided to start dating one of those motorbike guys who did a race in my honor back then. His name was Zach. He won, by the way. We drove up to the supermarket on this awesome motorbike, and we looked great. Right up until the moment when Rebecca and Mark pulled up in their limo. They made us look lame and ridiculous. At the store, Mark was buying Rebecca everything she pointed her finger at, and I had to choke down a cheap candy bar because my boyfriend spent most of his money on gas. Hey, I caught Mark by the arm and took him aside. Do you know she's taking advantage of you? Rebecca's a nice girl, and she's not capable of that. You, on the other hand, really liked my money, and you were the one who wanted to take advantage of me, so back off. He pushed me away and walked over to Rebecca holding a brand new purse. No, that's not how it works. If this little upstart thought she could outshine me, she's dead wrong, because I wasn't about to give up without a fight. First, I decided to find out more about who Rebecca was. Luckily, my boyfriend's dad was a cop, so I was able to get some information about her. Turns out, Rebecca and I went to the same primary schools. I immediately remembered an invisible girl who I used to make fun of a lot. No one ever noticed her because all the attention was on me. Was she now determined to get back at me? I also found out that one time, Rebecca got into a serious fight with some girl and her parents got a fine. Hmm, why don't I just get her involved in a fight? Then her reputation would definitely be ruined. Well, why would you do that, Cassie? Zach asked. While waxing his bike, I want my reputation back. I want everyone to lose their head over me again. But you already have me. Why do you need others? The guy hugged me, and I wanted to scream at his stupidity. What do you mean, why? Zach was not the best option. I wanted guys like Mark, not poor guys on motorbikes. You wouldn't understand. It's, you know, a girl thing. I giggled stupidly. The next day, I did my best to provoke Rebecca, but she remained calm. And I was about to say goodbye to my reputation at school forever when I overheard a very interesting conversation. Rebecca was talking to my classmate and telling her how annoying Mark was and that she only puts up with him because of the money. She also added that she's sick of all her followers and that she wanted to steal my boyfriend. Wow, that was unexpected. It's a good thing I filmed the whole thing. I told Zach about it but he wasn't supportive. Well, why don't you post that video for all to see? It'll only help her, and now she's suffering. But then everyone will be disappointed in her, and I'll go back to being Miss Perfect. To me, you're already perfect, and I would never look at someone like Rebecca. I don't know why, but his words really impressed me. No one had ever said anything to me like that before, and Zach was able to surprise me and make me feel good without money or gifts. But despite that, I didn't want to back down from my plan. Putting the video online was too easy. What about playing it during our traditional end of school year ball? The effect would be amazing. For me, of course. When I got to the prom, I wasn't surprised to see all the guys hanging around Rebecca. Hardly anyone paid any attention to me. And I was about to give the memory stick to the prom host when I noticed something. Rebecca was reluctantly dancing with every guy and kept looking at me. I noticed the look of dissatisfaction on her face. Well, of course, but I couldn't care less about her, and the new girl just wanted to make me suffer. I looked at the memory stick, smiled, 
and put it away in my clutch. Zach was right. There's no need to ruin anything because Rebecca, sooner or later, will ruin everything herself when she gets tired of the circus. I left the ball with a happy look on my face and went to my boyfriend's. So shall we go for a ride on the bike? I asked. Whatever you want. He answered. For the first time, I enjoyed our time together. We went to a secluded place, watched the sunset, and cuddled. At that moment, I didn't care about Mark or my reputation at school, and I certainly didn't care about Rebecca. But on the very last day of school, something interesting happened. As I walked down the corridor, I was suddenly attacked from behind. It was Rebecca. She started a fight right in front of everyone. You always piss me off. You drive me crazy now. I've done everything I can to ruin your reputation, and you don't even respond to it, she yelled. Everyone was shocked, and I pulled out one of her tricks and started crying. All the guys immediately ran up to me to console me. Even Mark came to my defense. That was the moment Rebecca destroyed herself and ran away from school in shame. You were right about her, Mark said. I'm sorry I didn't believe you at first. Do you want to go out sometime? He smiled and took my hand. Get lost, I said calmly. I'm not interested in people like you anymore. Everyone was shocked when I blew off this rich kid. I was relieved. I got my reputation back. Mark asked me out on a date, and I had the nerve to reject him in front of everyone. And then there was my boyfriend, Zach, waiting for me outside of school, who wouldn't trade me for any Rebecca. Being perfect is great. And being surrounded by admirers is fine too, but it's more important to be surrounded by people who see more than just your perfect looks. They see your soul. Zach made me realize that, and now I'm happy. Do you consider yourself a perfect person? Write your answers in the comments. I'd be interested in reading them. And be sure to share this video with your friends. I woke up to a loud pop. Frightened, I called out for my boyfriend. Tom, Tom! But Tom wasn't there, so I had to find out what had happened. I cautiously looked through the window. I saw my boyfriend coming down the drain pipe, and some girl was loading bags into it. One of the bags burst, and our family jewels scattered all over the pavement. You can't imagine how shocked I was. Tom, what's going on? I yelled. The guy, meanwhile, jumped to the ground, walked over to the girl, and kissed her defiantly. Then he shouted, I used you to steal your family's money. The whole world came crashing down at the same moment. Tears rolled down my face. Stop. You probably don't know what's going on at all, do you? Let me start from the beginning. My name's Lissa. My parents own a huge factory and were rich. Very rich. How did I meet Tom? And why didn't I realize right away that he was pretending to steal our mansion? One day... I was walking through the mall with my friend Lily. We walked from store to store until we reached the most expensive boutique in town. The name spoke for itself. Luxury. Once inside, we immediately noticed the stunning shoes. Gold color, decorated with rhinestones. Unbelievable. The price was not significant. $200,000. But I fell in love with them at first sight. So without thinking twice, I took the shoes to the checkout counter. I was greeted there by a guy with the name Tom on his badge. Did you see the price? He asked in surprise. Yes, 200,000. Here's the credit card. Tom almost dropped his jaw as he processed my purchase. 
He packed my shoes very carefully, and Lily and I headed for the exit. Suddenly, Tom called out to us in an uncertain voice. Excuse me, I'm going to finish soon. Would you like to have some coffee? Lily and I looked at each other, and then, without even turning around, we laughed out loud. We found the idea of going out for coffee with an ordinary salesman hilarious. My friend and I said goodbye in the parking lot. As I was driving down the highway, in my rearview mirror, I noticed a suspicious car that seemed to be following me. Even pulling into the grounds of my mansion, I saw the same car drive by slowly. Maybe it was just a coincidence, and he was on his way. I walked into the house, a huge mansion on the outskirts of town. Already in the bedroom, I unpacked my purchase. I twirled in the shoes in front of the mirror for a while. Very beautiful. I wish I could have gone to school in them and wowed everyone. Even though my family was one of the richest in town, I still had to go to an ordinary school with children from poor families. Unfortunately, there were no other schools in the area. Oh, what a contingent it was. For example, the next day while I was walking down the hall, some nitwit shoved me, which caused the books I was carrying to scatter all over the floor. What a jerk. I gritted through my teeth. I agree. Someone handed me one of the books. I looked up and saw the cashier from the store. Tony? I asked in surprise. Tom, actually. Actually, I don't care. I'm new here. Can you show me around the school? I laughed out loud without another word. Carried on with my business. At the end of the day, there was a nasty surprise waiting for me in the parking lot. One of my tires was flat. Oh, crap. Wow, that looks like a serious puncture. Tom whistled. It was like he'd appeared out of thin air. I was not in the mood and barked. Piss off. Okay, just wanted to help you with changing the tire. Wait. <sighs> I sighed heavily. The spares in the trunk. Tom jacked the car up and replaced the tire. He did it easily, like he'd been doing it since he was a kid. When he was done, the guy asked me, how about a cup of coffee now? Just for a little while? I only said yes because he helped me. Tom nodded and jumped in the car. We drove to a coffee shop nearby. At first, Tom struck me as very chatty, but I had to admit, his stories were very funny. One of them made me laugh so hard, <laughs> I even got coffee coming out of my nose. After the cafe, I volunteered to give Tom a ride home, but he politely declined. I shook my hands, started the car, and drove off. I could forget about the meeting, but at dinner, I accidentally spilled grape juice on the white tablecloth, and in the red stain spreading across the table, I suddenly saw Tom's face. There were his cheekbones, his forehead, his funny ears. I admired the stain and sighed languidly. My mother's voice brought me back to reality. Maybe you can help me take off the tablecloth. Okay, Mom. I spent the rest of the evening cleaning the stain and thinking about Tom. This had never happened to me before. I think I'm in love. When I met Lily at school the next day, I told her everything. My friend frowned. That Tom came out of nowhere. Don't you think that's weird? You're right. I should have gotten some information about him. Lily was worried about me. She was my best friend, and she was the only one who could deal with my hot temper. And what was our surprise? When we met Tom again outside the school, in his hand, he held a glass of coffee. Here, 
your favorite, with almond syrup. I remembered. The guy winked. Oh, thanks, but Lily and I have to run. I grabbed a glass, and my friend and I quickly left. I needed a break to find out who this Tom really was. So at night, I planned to check all social media and find out more about him, but not until after the gym, which I did every Wednesday. I stayed a little longer than usual that day. So, I had to walk through the dark parking lot to get to my car. Just when I was opening the door, I heard a whistle. When I turned around, I saw the figure of a huge boogeyman emerge from the semi-darkness. He muttered, Beautiful car. Must be expensive. His stone gave me a good scare. I wanted to run away, but my legs stopped responding. I'll call the police! But it wasn't so easy to scare the man. He had already stretched out his arms to grab me. I squeezed my eyes shut with fear. But a few seconds passed, and nothing happened. I cautiously opened my eyes and saw Tom. Next to the guy was the defeated boogeyman lying on the pavement. He was shaking his fist and screaming in pain. Come on, let's get out of here, shouted my savior. You, you saved me, I whispered. Tom put me in the passenger seat, and he jumped behind the wheel. The car screeched out of the parking lot. I told Tom the address of my house. When we pulled up outside the mansion, the guy exclaimed, Wow, this house is huge. While he admired the mansion, I admired him. It was great that he'd saved me and brought me home unharmed. Tom started to say something, but I didn't listen. I clung to my savior and kissed him. Tom hugged me and we kissed for a few more minutes. However, it was time to say goodbye. At home, I couldn't stop thinking about my Prince Charming, and I fell asleep with a smile on my lips. So, did you find out who Tom really is? Lily asked me the next morning. Yes, he's my hero, my savior. My friend was confused when she heard me say that, but I didn't have time to go into details. I wanted to see Tom as soon as possible. So, I invited him over to my house for dinner. Come over tonight, and I'll show you around the mansion. I'm sorry, but I'm not ready to meet your parents yet. He hesitated. Don't worry, they're gone for the weekend. Tom closed his locker, smiled, and nodded. In the evening, I met him on the doorstep, and we had a real tour of my house. We visited almost every room. But for some reason, that study interested him the most. He was looking around with a keen eye. He was especially interested in my dad's safe. Tom kept looking at it and then suddenly started asking strange questions. When did your mom and dad meet? When were you born? And your parents? I was glad that Tom wanted to know more about me and my family, so I gladly answered all of his questions. After the tour, I invited the boy over to the table. We ate and chatted happily, and then Tom poured me my favorite grape juice. I was extraordinarily lucky to meet you here to our meeting, and you. Bottoms up. Wonderful toast, Tom. We clinked glasses, and I drank the juice. Suddenly, my phone rang. It was Lily. I had to leave the table, go up to my room and answer it. My friend was really hysterical. She was screaming, I checked it out! Tom the burglar! No way! I couldn't hear another word. My ears were ringing, my eyes were getting blurry, and my legs buckled, and I fell down. The last thing I remembered was Tom's sly smile, and the rest you already know. When I woke up, my head was literally pounding. Of course, the creep had put something in my glass. 
Tom had bagged everything he could find, and now he was about to flee the scene of the crime with his girlfriend. I used you to steal your family's money. I felt so sorry for myself, but wanting to rip that bastard to shreds helped me pull myself together. Meanwhile, Tom and his girlfriend jumped in the car. I ran to my dad's office. The safe was open, and there were bills scattered around. So that's why Tom was asking all those questions. He wanted the password to the safe, and apparently, he had succeeded. I rushed downstairs to the main entrance. I opened the doors and saw Tom's car heading for the gate. Well, I'd have to give chase. I wouldn't want to give up everything that belonged to my family that easily. But the tire of my car was flat again. It was in the same place it had been in the parking lot. Now I knew. Tom had a whole plan to lure me into his web. He slashed my tire outside the school, and that bouncer didn't just show up at the gym. Tom had sent him too. That bastard had to do everything he could to get me to like him. Well, he succeeded. He had me wrapped around his finger so easily. I ran out into the road in a panic. But all I had to do was to watch the crooks car leave the grounds of the mansion. Exhausted, I sat down on the pavement and wept bitterly. Suddenly, the sound of a police siren was heard somewhere nearby. This was my last chance to set things right. As I ran out the gate, I saw Tom and his girlfriend being detained by the police. Standing next to the police car was my Lily. My friend rushed toward me. Are you okay? I am now. Did you call the cops? Yes, right after the call. We hugged. I was so grateful to Lily for being there for me. You're lucky. The robber took a long time with the safe and didn't have time to get away, said the policeman who came up to us. Thank you, officer. I walked over to the patrol car. Tom was sitting in the backseat handcuffed. He looked at me with eyes full of hate. I smiled and waved. The police left, and Lily and I went back to my place to celebrate my rescue. By the way, that story had taught me something. After I'd almost lost everything, I realized that I was worthless on my own. So it's time for me to change. I'm learning to be kinder and better, and Lily's helping me do that. What life events made you change? It would be great if you could tell me your story in the comments. And don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the channel. Bye!